there's just an overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit speaking to me about talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the development of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And as Pentecostals, um, we tend to lean towards the gifts of the Spirit. We like to hear about the gifts of the Spirit because as Pentecostals, we, we uh, are... Uh, distinctive is the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God moving in that in that manner. But the fruit is important. Fruit is important uh, because the fruit are exemplified, personified in Jesus. If you take a look at the life of Christ, if you know Jesus, he was love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. All those things were embodied in Christ. And so um, the fruit of the Spirit, let me just say this. The fruit of the Spirit is not... Uh, imitation of Christ, but rather the duplication of Christ through daily submission to the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between one and the other. It is, it is becoming uh, like Jesus as we submit our life continually to the, to the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of, our, uh, of this pandemic, uh, there, are, there are ulterior effects that happen as a, the fact that, yeah, there's a virus that we're trying to avoid, yet at the same time in our avoidance of the virus, there are other things that have come up. There are other illnesses that have taken place. And, and so uh, for those who have been listening in on Sunday, that's kind of has been the subject matter. So how do I heal from the, the pandemic as a result of the pandemic? And uh, so this is why I want to talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit and, and God moving in that way. So uh, for those of you who don't know where the fruit of the Spirit is mentioned in Scripture, it's in the book of Galatians. Paul is writing to the Galatian church. And right near the end of the book, the, the, the book itself is six chapters, but in chapter five, he begins to talk about the um, fruit of the Spirit. And I wanted to talk, start at verse uh, 19. And the reason I want to start at verse 19 is because you need to read these passages of Scripture within the context of what they're, of what they're talking about. So we need to talk about the works of the flesh and how the fruit of the Spirit is, is important as a result. So it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, I think we do have it on PowerPoint. Yeah, we do. It says this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now we get to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And it ends with an important verse in verse 25. It says, if we live in the Spirit, uh, let us also walk in the Spirit. Something important for us. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit moving, causing us to be more like Jesus. Uh, As I was preparing uh, tonight, I came across the story of a a person who worked for a circus. And you know the way circuses are. There's, there's a whole bunch of unique shows which take place and happen. And in this particular show, there was a strong man. And in a way to prove his strength, what he used to do is he had a, a snake, a python snake. 
and this snake would wrap around him, continuously wrap around him. And at the last second, what he would do is he would burst free and everyone would just applaud this incredible feat of strength. And it worked great for a while until all of a sudden, one particular night, the snake became too strong for him. And people watched in horror as he lost his life in front of the whole people. And little did he realize that um, with every performance, the snake got stronger. The resistance of the snake got stronger as, as he continued to work. And so, so, hey, I don't, have you heard that story before? Anyone has heard that? No. But it kind of goes to show us that there is a reason uh, to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we don't watch it, the world and the enemy become stronger every single time. So we need to be able to combat, to combat that. And, and Jesus, when he talks about fruit, he says this. Hey, if a fruit tree doesn't bear fruit, what we usually do is we usually chop it down and throw it in the fire. So it's important for us to bear fruit, right? We've, we've heard that scripture. Now, the question I ask myself is, so how does a tree bear fruit? What makes a tree healthy? Now, there's a number of things you can talk about, but one main thing you have to say is this. A tree that has healthy roots oftentimes will be a, fruit, a tree which grows fruit, which basically says this. It's sometimes the things that you don't see, those are the things that are most important in our lives. Sometimes it's the thing that's under the surface that we need to develop that causes us to be more and more like Jesus. Um, when I was a young, a rookie preacher in, in my first years of ministry, the first uh, book that I read on Christian leadership was a book by a fellow named Gordon McDonald. Uh, Gordon McDonald, for, for those of you who don't know, is a, a pastor of a large church in Massachusetts, and he has a, a great story, a number of great books. But this one was called Ordering Your Private World. It was a really good book. And there's a story in it that I still use today. It still impacts me today. He talks about a thing which is called the sinkhole syndrome. Um, for us in Manitoba, I'm not too sure. Has anybody ever seen a sinkhole in Manitoba? Not too many. I think in Texas and Dallas and Arizona and those places where they go for extended periods of time of drought, you'll see sinkholes. If you Google sinkhole, you will see these absolutely massive sinkholes where all of a sudden there is a, there in the middle of the city, there's this great big hole that has happened. And, and what he says happens with the sinkhole is that we don't see it, but underneath the ground there are wells and there are underground streams which take place and, and they, they are fine until an extended time of drought. And what ends up happening is those wells and those streams under the ground end up drying up. And as a result, the pressure from on top of the, the earth becomes too much and it, it collapses and you get a sinkhole. And he uses that illustration to say that in many Christians' lives, in many Christian leaders' lives, Sometimes they implode, and the reason that they implode is not because of any major thing that has taken place in their life, other than the fact that they have never, uh, that they have never ever uh, renewed the resources that are underneath. They've never spent the time personally with the Lord. They've never spent the disciplines that are necessary walking in the Spirit so that those resources remain. 
And what ends up happening is they go a long time and nobody even notices anything's wrong with them until some type of pressure happens and their life implodes. And so this is why it's important uh, to walk in the Spirit. This is why it's so important to, uh, to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. And so here are some facts that I have learned uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the first uh, fact is, and I think we have this on PowerPoint. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joel. Um, that the fruit are not achieved by self-endeavor. Um, it is not by our work that we do it. Now, how many times, and I'm not too sure uh, how, how many conversations you've had with people and you've invited them to be a Christian, and one of the responses they have is this. Well, to be quite honest, I'm not really that good of a person. There's a lot of bad things that have happened in my life, and I think it would be absolutely impossible to live a Christian life. And our response to them is, yes, absolutely, you are right. It is impossible for you to live a Christian life. It's not about you doing it. It's about God doing it in you. And we all say, amen. And then all of a sudden, we get along in our faith, and we forget that ourselves. All of a sudden, we begin to say, well, I'm going to have the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm going to have the fruit of the Spirit because I'm going to try hard. And that's not the way the fruit of the Spirit works. It's not achieved by self-endeavor. Here's the other thing. The fruit of the Spirit, when you take a look at it in Scripture, it is um, singular. It is not the fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit, one, of the Spirit. And so um, this is important because God is working with all of them in our lives. Now, I don't know if we would all admit this, but if we take a look at the fruit of the Spirit, we probably say, well, with love, I'm probably a seven. Joy, I'm probably an eight. Self-control, I'm probably a two. Um, you know, we would, we would kind of rank those and say, here's where I am. Now, if we take a look and see if the fruit is a singular, what that basically means is the level of God is working in you and the fruit of the Spirit is probably in the part that you are doing the worst. Oh, might be true. But anyways, it's singular. That's kind of, I always found that that was kind of an interesting thing. It's not fruits, it is the fruit of the Spirit. The development of the fruit is a lifelong process. You know, I don't graduate from fruit bearing. Hey, you're at the point where you have gotten all the love that you possibly need. You are the most joyful. You, you make me sick. You're so joyful. Uh, and that doesn't happen. We never get to that point. We get to that point when, when perhaps we get to heaven. And the other thing is, is that it's a continuous process. There is a reason why they call it a walk in the spirit. It is something that continuously takes place in our lives. So I'm not going to go in order. Now, you kind of, you thought, okay, if he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, love is going to be what we're talking about. No, it's not. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be randomly picking them. So just to keep you on your toes, if you're wanting to come out for the devotionals on, on Wednesday. What I have chose, though, is the one that the King James Version calls temperance, or what the NIV calls self-control. Um, basically, uh, temperance means to have a firm hold. The, the Greek word uh, ekratos basically has two meanings. Kratos basically means to have dominion or mastery, and the eng part basically is talking about the sphere. So it basically is to have mastery, to have mastery or dominance or dominion in your sphere, where you basically are. And the reason I believe this is important is because 
it seems to me that as we go through this time, the biggest attack we have is on this aspect of self-control. That there seems to be a heaviness that weighs with COVID-19. And all of a sudden, it just seems like certain things that were no problem with us before all of a sudden seem to be a problem. That, that I, don't, I don't have control of my emotions like I do and my disciplines, my spiritual disciplines. And, and there are temptations that are in my life that, that before weren't so bad, but somehow for some reason, it's, it's big in the appetites that I have and, and the things that go to, that go to the di- spiritual disciplines, even the things that I'm saying sometimes, I'm like, well, why am I saying that? Why am I rambling on? And it just seems like I have a harder time being in control. I can't figure it out somehow in some way. You know, I I ride my bike uh, every day, almost every day. And I weigh myself every day. And I still seem to be the same way. It's not going down. You know, it seems to me like like I need to be social distancing myself from my refrigerator. (laughs) Do you have that? Do you find that to be true? And it's the fact that there's, there's this whole aspect of, I need to keep it together. And I know I'm not the only one because there's so many other people who are just kind of dealing with the heaviness. And, and so it's a, an important thing to, to, to talk about. Um, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It's the last verse in, the, in Proverbs chapter 25. Says something extremely interesting. It says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Let me read that again, okay? It's up on the PowerPoint there. Uh, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, for those of us who... um, who are living in today's culture, we don't have any walls around our city. You know, you can drive in and out of your city. But during the time that this is being written, every single city had a wall around it because they were in fear of being attacked. And so basically what that scripture is saying is this, that if you don't have self-control, what happens is eventually you become vulnerable to the enemy. And what happens is when you have a lack of self-control, you end up becoming completely out of control. And so this is why this is so important. Now, here's some things to understand about um, uh, self-control. Now, self-control, biblical self-control, is not self-advancement. I'm going to try and do this so that I can get ahead in life. Well, fruit of the Spirit is about being like Jesus. It's not about me going ahead and and God blesses us as we become more like him. But ultimately, it's not about self-advancement. It's not about self-adequacy. It's not about self-sufficiency. It's not about, okay, I'm going to discipline myself, so I really don't need God. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose, isn't it? It's not about self-adequacy. And it's not about self-actualization. Now... For those who have been part of the New Age movement or the, hum- the humanism movement, basically self-actualization is that point where you feel that you are at total peace. You've got everything together. Well, basically, basically self-actualization happens when you actually give everything to Christ. That's where the, the secret of self-actualization um, is. And so, so the irony I find of self-control is this is that we try to actually use our own self-control to get the fruit of self-control. You know what I mean? That just doesn't make sense, does it? 
And herein lies, herein lies the dilemma of self-control is that if, if, if we had the self-control to have the fruit of the Spirit, we wouldn't really need God. And so this is an, an important uh, part for us to, to really understand. Um, I think Rick Warren kind of explains it the best in his, in his book, What on Earth Am I Here For? He says, if you're in a boat and they program that boat to go to a particular spot, that boat will automatically go to that spot. And you can change the direction of that boat if you want. All you have to do is take that steering wheel and crank it. Now, once you take your hands off that steering wheel, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to go back to the place that it was supposed to go. It's programmed to go. So for a long time even, you could probably hold that steering wheel, but eventually what's going to happen is you're going to get tired. Eventually, you're going to end up going to that place again. And he says, that's how, that's how self-effort self, um, looks. And that's why the importance of realizing self-control, particularly of a fruit, is that, is that it happens when Jesus actually becomes Lord of our life. What happens is God begins to program uh, the boat as to where it goes. And so no longer is it an effort. What it is, is it's a point of surrender uh, to God. And um, in the context which Paul is talking about this, he's talking about the, the, the uh, works of the flesh. He's talking about all those things. You need to have self-control so that you're not doing all those works of the flesh. But there's a whole lot more to it than that, isn't it? I think that the, the, the self-control uh, has, um, has a whole lot more to do with than just avoiding sin. Because I think that there's things that the enemy has. I think that there's spiritual, um, spiritual battles sometimes in places that we don't realize that there are spiritual battles. I think that God wants us to live healthy lives. I think if, if, if you're going to be serving Jesus, God wants you to be healthy serving Jesus. The healthier you, you are, the longer you will be able to serve Jesus. I think that, that God is, is wanting us to, to maintain spiritual disciplines because he's wanting to use us. There's anointing that happens when we continually walk with him. If all of a sudden there is a, if there is a, a, a disjointedness or if there is an irregular, an, in, an inconsistency or walk, many times it's due to the fact that we have not been doing the, the necessary things of praying and seeking the Lord and reading his word. And eventually what happens is we don't have the anointing because we haven't been in his word. We haven't been praying. We haven't been seeking the Lord. And so I think that what God wants is for us to be as close to him as we possibly can. And this is why I think self-control uh, is something which is so important. And so what I have done uh, is I have kind of put together what's called the five D's of cultivate, cultivating um, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, you have them up there for those who want to take notes or anything like that. Here's, here's what I have put together. One of the main things we have to do in cultivating the fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, to determine lordship. Why is that so important? Because until you come to the realization that you can't do it on your own, what will happen is the fruit will never, ever operate in your life because it's always going to be your effort. You have to, first of all, come to the realization that I'm not going to be able to do it without God. Now, the difficulty with the fruit is this, is that the image of God in us does have some of these fruits of the Spirit, but there's, there's fruits of the Spirit that are, that are our effort-driven, and there are fruits of the Spirit that... Um, 
are God-driven. And what we want to do is we want to give God lordship of our lives so that the fruit will actually operate through him and not our own efforts. After that, there's the thing which we'll call daily surrender. That I have to continually, that's why it says again, walk in the spirit. Every day, find yourself in God and in there, the fruit is able to, to operate. You have to daily, daily, um, you daily water the plants. Now, all of a sudden, have you noticed like in, in two weeks' time, I looked out my backyard and there was no leaves on the tree. And in two weeks, all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of leaves on the trees and, and grass that was like a gray color is all of a sudden green. And it's really nice now, but if all of a sudden we go through a time where there's a drought, that grass, it kind of goes white again. It gets kind of dry. And... Um, with any kind of plant, it has to be continually watered. Fruit of the Spirit operates when we're continually walking um, with God, daily surrender, to demonstrate authenticity, to, um, to actually get real with God. I am amazed at how many times we actually lie to God. We think somehow in some way we can fool God. We can't fool God. Um, I was saying to the, to the afternoon group, that one of the things that I have, uh, have promised myself to do is to journal. And, and journaling is that time where you, you spend time, um, I'm thinking at least four times a week, where I will write down my thoughts and I will, I will, if God speaks to my heart, I'll make sure that I write down that vision because I want to have a measure. I want to measure what God is doing in my life. And many times we don't. We just kind of pray and keep praying. And then we never ever are able to have anything of, of record to see what God has been doing in our lives. And um, the number one rule I was saying this afternoon is this. The number one rule of journaling is this. You ready? Fire the editor. You have to fire the editor when you're journaling. You have to be honest. Whenever you're writing things down, if there is something which you need to be honest about, God knows about it anyways. For some reason, we think that we can fool God by not being honest with him. And so there has to be those times. The, the fruit flourish the most when we say, you know what, God, I just don't get it. Or God, I'm just having a terrible day today. Or or God, I know I'm supposed to have patience, but I don't have patience. Or, or God, I, I know I'm supposed to exercise love, but I don't feel like loving that particular individual. If I'm continually trying to hide it, that's the first thing that Adam and Eve did, right? They hid from God. They didn't, they didn't want to show God the truth. How many thousands of years later we do the same thing to demonstrate authenticity, um, to do with others. Someone say, well, isn't it supposed to be because you walk in the spirit that you're supposed to, isn't it kind of supposed to be a personal thing? Well, I guess it is supposed to be a thing, but we were never, ever supposed to be doing this Christian walk alone. Um, I, think, I think if you have people who are continually encouraging you along, then, then the fruit of the, the spirit gets developed more quickly in our lives. I think that you need, you need to, to, to allow that to take place. I wrote this down in my notes that isolation is the biggest obstruction to spiritual advancement. Isolation is the biggest obstruction to spiritual advancement. The reason we don't grow is because we're content to do it alone.
And so we struggle or we go through times of depression and nobody knows that we're depressed. Nobody knows that we're going through this terrible time because somehow Satan has fooled us into thinking that I can't have other people in my life helping me. It's a lie, a lie of the devil. And the other one is this, persevere, dogged perseverance, don't give up. Um, I think that there are some important reasons why we fail. You know, I, I think a false doctrine in the church is that, that God uh, continually wants us to be in a state of bliss and that he continually wants good things to happen in our lives. I don't think that that's true. I think that, that endurance is something that we get as we trust in him. And if you never go through a failure time, you get to a point where you never, ever spend the quality time with Jesus that you need to. And the other thing is this. If you never, ever have a problem, if you're, if you're never, ever uh, uh, persevering through something, you can never, ever sit down with someone and share with them your battle. That empathy is developed as we, as we continually work in the spirit ourselves. So that's it. That's, the, that's what it, it, it um, the fruit of the spirit of self-discipline uh, looks like. I have always admired people of discipline, haven't you? You take a look at a disciplined person, and like I was saying today, if, if, if you are a real disciplined person, I don't hate you, but sometimes you make me real mad. You make it look kind of easy. But I think that, that one of the main things that God is wanting us to do is to depend on him so that we can be disciplined. And I'm not too sure what area that is in your life. That's the whole thing. There's so many areas that we need to be self-controlled in, isn't there? Okay, I read that passage of scripture in, in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, and, and a lot of us know it. We've been, many of us have been Christians for a long time. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 basically says this, God has not given us a spirit of, but of power, love, and a... Sound mind is the popular uh, expression, right? Because that's the King James Version. Most of us have kind of been brought up with that King James Version. So when you read that in, in the NIV, it says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? Self-control, right? Well, hold on a second here. Sound mind, self-control, that's not the same thing, is it? What happened here? What's wrong with these NIV people? They wouldn't even know what they were talking about. But the longer I am in this pandemic, the more I realize sound mind and self-control are kind of the same thing, aren't they? Because when, when self-control comes, it happens inside here. If all of a sudden there is sin or temptation, what happens is a battle that happens in my mind. You take a look at anybody who falls, they have... They have thought it through their mind way before they have actually done it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I think we're in this time where we need to have self-control. We need to have a sound mind. We need to give God absolutely everything so that he can do something great. So what I want to do, we can't have an altar service unless I have some type of a 10-foot, 6-foot hand to lay on you and kind of megaphone to pray it over. Lord, we pray for... We can't do that.
But can I pray a blessing upon you? Can I just pray a, a prayer of self-control together as the body, body of Christ? And I, I'm not too sure what you might be going through. I, I could tell this afternoon there were some, some uh, young moms that were, were here, and I just kind of saw they were kind of at the end of it. This is really hard. I need to discipline myself. I need to, I need to get some self-control. And you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it. It's, it is too tough. Well, today is the day where you hand it to Jesus. Today is the day where you say, God, you have absolutely every single part of my life. Everything, everything. I can't do it by myself. And when you get to that point, when you get to that point where you say, oh, gee, I've been doing this on my own. I got to give lordship of this of my, to my life, of my life to him. That's when I think the switch happens. That's where I think God all of a sudden is able to work. And I think God is just there begging some, in some respects for him to work in our lives. And yes, God, I have all this trouble. Well, give it to me. Well, you don't understand, God. No, well, just give it to me. No, well, God, I'm going to try my best in my heart. Say, I know you are, but it's time for you to give it to me. Allow the fruit of God to move in our lives. Allow us to, to work not in a not in a in, in a in an arena that we are trying to call all the shots, but living in an arena where we are surrendering it to God so that He can do great things through us. Amen. Amen.